You have nothing to do with your skill, Bayless. As I was saying, Joy Taylor, every dog has a day, and since I'm a big dog, I've got two days. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Betting the Grid, a F1 betting podcast with your hosts, Jack and Pat. Pat, welcome back from your Australia trip. Good to have you back from down under. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Glad to be back in the seat again. And for the very first time ever, we have a good friend, Austin, uh, joining us, who is also an F1 enthusiast and a bit of a carding enthusiast as well. Austin, welcome to the pod, man. What's up, guys? I appreciate y'all having me on here. <laughs> uh, you, you know, we didn't rehearse that. You can't you can't just be dropping in that without uh, without giving us the heads up. I think that needs to be uh, on our soundboard going forward. That's fantastic. <laughs> Should I have changed but, it hey, up? Right, but... <laughs> so before we get into it, as always, we just got to read our quick disclosure here. Uh, we are not in any way, shape, or form offering financial advice. Everything we share is speculation and opinion. Check your individual state laws if you see sports bet if sports betting is legal or what options there are in your specific state. If you or anyone you know is addicted to gambling, call the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700, and their info will be in our show notes. And as always, lines are taken from BetMGM as per May 24th. 2023. So Austin, welcome to your first time on the show. So wanted to kind of start out, get a feel for you. So who would you say is kind of your favorite team in F1, uh, you know, since you've been a fan? For sure. I was, uh, I was telling you guys right before the pod that Lewis and Mercedes are kind of my team because uh, I had the first race I had ever watched. I had made the bet to myself that whoever wins, I'm a fan for life. And Lewis ended up winning the 21 British Grand Prix. But honestly, I could say that I'm a fan of like every driver. I can find something that I like about every team, except for Lance Stroll. Nobody likes Lance Stroll. Mm. <laughs> but even with the Aston Martin doing so well this year, you can't even kind of find a silver lining, you know? I mean, how do you like Lance Stroll more than, I don't know, Lando Norris? I mean, what? Are you kidding me? Uh, Lando Norris won me over that one time whenever he went off track and they asked him, what damage do you have? And he just said talent. So I can never really partner <laughs> to something to that. Oh, yeah. For some reason, Lando Norris just always rubs me the wrong way. He, he's been vying for a Mercedes seat, I think, feel like since he uh, joined the uh, F1. You know, it's just something about the, the British Britishness of him uh, always rubs me the wrong way. But Austin, would you say that Drive to Survive got you into F1 or was there another path? How did you get into it? Dude, it was definitely Drive to Survive. And I feel I'm like a the prototypical case of an American fan becoming a fan of F1. Like I, I watched Drive to Survive. And then as soon as like I got tired of that, I was like, hey, there's a real race this weekend. Let me tune into that. And then I've never missed one since. I love it. I love it. So would you consider yourself somewhat of an avid better on F1 or are you still kind of new to that scene? Definitely. Last year, I, I didn't bet in 21, but 22, I learned probably the golden rule, the best rule I've ever learned in betting, which was the three inevitable things are death, taxes, and Max Verstappen away. Two. <laughs> that is very fair. Yeah, no, it's definitely shown this season as well, uh, just absolutely sometimes running away with it. And so speaking of Max Verstappen, I think I kind of want to jump into a bit of you know the Miami Grand Prix uh, which I think everyone would kind of say as many overtakes as there was, it was somewhat of a boring race. And Pat, I want to hear from you, man. Like kind of what are your takeaways from it? 
um, you know, maybe maybe who shined a little bit and who, you know, kind of fell away. Yeah, definitely. I know there was a bit of overtaking in the midfield, but um, I mean, Max Verstappen and Red Bull, they just ran away with it. Max didn't have the best qualifying session starting a little towards the back by his standards. I think he was seventh or eighth, but um, everybody just lets him through immediately. So it's not really an, any action for the lead. And he, we thought there might be a close finish between Checo and Max, but um, Max just ended up speeding away from Checo once he caught up to him. So a little bit of a letdown, but some exciting midfield action, especially like the Haas and Kevin Magnuson. So boring race, but still some some bright sides. No, I, I completely agree. You know, I think that F1 has lost some of the, the racing factor that we're used to just because, you know, it's literally I, I was watching the highlights again before this podcast and Verstappen was about to take Pierre Gasly, overtake Pierre Gasly. And, you know, Pierre Gasly just kind of slowly drifted out of the way, let him pass and actually did such a poor job that he let George Russell catch up behind him to get into within DRS range. And I was just like, this sucks. Like no one is challenging Verstappen. They clearly know their car is worse. And it just really isn't the most exciting to see him, you know, gain eight places, you know, in the span of 47 laps, um, you know, compared to what maybe like a Michael Schumacher had to do back in the day. Uh, but Austin, I want to hear your thoughts, man. Miami Grand Prix, second year uh, running it. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Dude, my thoughts kind of outside of the race, these were the things that I like really latched on. It was one, I, I saw this crazy stat that that was only the 11th Formula One Grand Prix to have zero DNFs, which that's kind of absurd. Wow. It, it also makes me think that because there were zero DNFs, zero flags or cautions, it probably was also one of the quickest Grand Prix too, like in terms of watch time. But uh, I remember watching all of like the pre-race interview, uh, pre-race like shows and everything like that. I think Miami might be the number one race to attend as a fan. That seemed incredibly fun to be there. I was getting a lot of FOMO seeing all the videos. But the real question is, could you have afforded to be there? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> That's why well, we're maybe, literally talking about – yeah. The, I got what super it, excited, though, whenever I saw Max was – Plus, he was, I don't know, he was plus like 200 starting in like 11th or whatever place he started in. Uh, so maybe I could have afforded it if I laid down a bigger bet on him, but maybe not this year. That, that That's very fair. Also, uh, mad, mad props, guys. Uh, we had a, an 8th place and then an 11th place. He started ninth place. Uh, so ah, just on it, we were so right. close. Split the middle, man. Split the middle. So close on it. Uh, so I, I want to just bring up a couple points. Um, you know, one, Logan Sargent, I was pretty high on him going into this race. We had Oscar Piastri uh, for the Australian Grand Prix. He got points in his home debut. Granted, it was the most insane Australian Grand Prix we've ever seen. But Logan Sargent, I was like, all right, American, American first American race. I think he's got it. Uh, he came in 20th. It was absolutely abysmal. Uh, showing for the American. Uh, he was basically just running victory laps every time, just waving to the crowd. Um, and then I, you know, I, it, it's par for the course. Uh, Ferrari uh, and Pat, I see you smirking there. Uh, they absolutely suck, man. What a what a bad team. Uh, and I know they changed team principles and they've had their issues. But, I mean, a Charles Leclerc, who was second, you know, essentially second place last year, I, I believe second place last year, you know, coming in seventh, and having a battle with Kevin Magnuson, like that is just not what F1 wants to see from, I guess, some of their top drivers. I, I, Pat, do you have any rebuttal for your Ferrari love with that? 
Hey, sometimes you have a bad day. I mean, Charles was struggling in Miami a little bit, clearly. And towards the end, he really started picking it up. Like, he only finished a second behind Hamilton for six. So, I mean, bad start and bad weekend for him. But he started finding his form towards the end. And I think they'll figure it out because at least this year as a Ferrari fan, it's not quite as painful because it's the driver screwing up rather than the team just screwing up pit stops and whatever stupid strategies they can do. So not quite as bad when Red Bull's dominating everything, but they'll pick it up again. I really wish there was a bet for a Carlos Sainz to receive a five-second penalty because the man is just undeniably fantastic at it. He picked up another one this time. (laughs) Yeah, he's addicted. He came in so hot into the pit lane, his brakes locked up, got another five-second penalty. Luckily, it didn't change anything at the end of the the day, but still absolutely uh, hilarious uh, to see. No no harm, no foul. I mean, and also the penalty bet, if I could parlay that with Ocon, I would do that all day, every day, or any Alpine driver. Yes. Honestly, yeah, any Alpine driver, basically to DNF, um, Mm. as they did uh, both in uh, Australia, but... I'm not going to get to Alpine because you know I have to sing their praises towards the end of the podcast with my Alpine McLaren season uh, bet. Both teams are tied at 14. It is a long season. We got this future. <laughs> I'm telling you. But all right. So now moving on to Monaco, uh, one of the most iconic and probably worst races on the grid now. I mean, guys, what are your thoughts on Monaco just before we kind of go into some of the bets? Uh, Austin, you know, being, being the newcomer, I'll give you kind of first dibs on it. Just overall thoughts. The yachts are amazing, but what about the racing? The racing is super, super tough. It's never very exciting. It's probably the only race that I would say qualifying sometimes is more exciting than the actual race itself. But I feel the most dramatic moments always come from the Monaco races. I was just watching a video of like the top five battles or dramatic moments of the Monaco race over the last few years. Some of them are racing related. It's usually a pretty terrible crash, but sometimes there's always like a lot of fanfare, kind of like similar to the Miami race, where a lot of stuff is going outside of the race too. I remember seeing a a video of Williams in one year, I think in the 90s, was promoting uh, a James Bond movie, some type of bank heist movie, but they had the, the gym on the front of the nose and somebody I think crashed out in the formation lap where they had to pull the car out to the side and the team members actually weren't able to get to the car until after the Grand Prix, where that priceless gem that they put in the nose of the car was just missing and nobody has ever known since then. So when I think of Monaco, I think of all kind of crazy stuff like that. I'm excited. I want to say that was almost to promote one of the Ocean's like Ocean's 11 movies or something. And so it was like the perfect gem height. I, I want to say it was Ocean's 12 because uh, I think part of the movie was in Monaco. And so, yeah, no, totally agree with the, the gem being stolen. Is it a cover-up? Is it an insurance scheme by Williams to try to get some money? The world may never know. It was a plan. Pat, Pat, on, on to you, man. Uh, Monaco, real quick before we get into some quality bets. No, like you mentioned before with Logan Sargent doing parade laps, Monaco is basically just 70 laps of parade laps. The cars now are like longer than an F-150, wider than an F-150, and the streets of Monaco are just so narrow. So it's just... Super tough to overtake, and yeah, you're not in for a ton of action outside of like some crashes because it's super hard to get the cars where you need them to go. So hopefully we get something exciting, but don't get your hopes too high. So one one question I want to pose, would it make sense for F1 to try to figure out how to make the car just as fast but in a smaller form? 
because I feel like that's been a big issue with a lot of these Grand Prix. And I don't know if y'all were able to watch the gameplay footage for the new F1 uh, 2023, but it looked like Las Vegas race was also quite tight in a lot of kind of sector one of the track. So, I mean, do you think we're going to maybe see some regulations maybe at that 2026 mark with, you know, Audi joining and the new Honda engines and everything and maybe seeing a smaller car? Yeah, they definitely can try to because, like, the reason the cars have gotten so big is the engines right now are just super complex. And obviously, it's for safety reasons, too. Bigger car, you have more room to crumple, so it's safer for the drivers as well. But I think F1 is going to try to make a push to get the cars a little bit smaller because if you look back on, like, previous generations of cars, the new ones just dwarf them. So if they can start keeping all those good safety rules that we all like to see, but also make it a little more compact. I think it would help the racing a ton in street circuits like this. I almost think that it would be easier for F1 to actually kind of fit the track to be more safe. So I remember in one of the old Need for Speed games, there was like an alternate Monaco layout that had a little bit more straights to it. And I feel that almost would be easier because going into the season, if you guys remember, there was a big debate over like which tracks are out of contract for this season going into it. And Monaco was one of them. And a lot of people were saying, well, Monaco has the worst racing, but it's also like the most iconic race. So we can't get rid of it. So I, I feel this could probably be that happy medium compromise where they don't get rid of Monaco, but they change it a little bit. That way they don't have to drastically affect the cars maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I don't know if y'all are looking at, uh, I have a nice little overlay of the race, but between, turn 10 and 11 you know you have that beautiful curve going uh in the tunnel and you come out if you almost eliminate that you have your second drs zone and you can really have some fun racing there so i would love to see if they were able to do something there and just tweak it a little bit and you know you can't get get rid of that iconic you know almost 180 turn uh that hairpin you know that really close one that kind of iconic first stretch so I, I agree. I think changing the layout and maybe making the cars a little more slim, somehow trying to do that, I think you get a real happy medium there. But just to give uh, some more little insights into the Monaco. So last year, uh, the king of the street circuit, Sergio Perez, he got a win there. Did an awesome flip into uh, you know the Monaco pool that we saw Daniel Ricciardo do his belly flop into. Um, you know, And Lando Norris actually got the fastest lap. Um, I would say almost throw a little, like, you know, a dollar on him to get fastest lap this time, but I don't want you wasting a dollar because the McLaren is horrible. Am I right, Pat? Big big time, big time. Daniel Ricciardo is <laughs> laughing. He got paid $20 million to just watch that thing finish last. Yeah, no, it is uh, horrible. I will say, I know we're, we're about to get into the quali bets, and I know one, one or two people have a, a Mercedes in there, but they have apparently done a huge overhaul kind of during this break. Obviously, we haven't really talked about it. Um, you know, shout out to uh, Imola and, you know, to make sure that everyone's safe uh, during that. They had all the flooding and everything. So if you wanted to donate, you can do it somewhere. I don't know the link, but you could probably do that. But on to quality bets because uh, we did miss Imola last week uh, and they're rescheduling it for the first week of August. Uh, so we will get that race again and we'll have two Italian Grand Prix back to back with uh, it'll be Monza and then Imola. Uh, so really fun uh, to see that and hopefully maybe see Ferrari shine. I can't even believe I said that. Mm-hmm. So on to the qualifying bets. Uh, Austin, who do you think is going to uh, get pole position uh, here in Monaco this year? Guys, don't overthink it. 
Max Verstappen is so pissed that people are even having a conversation that Sergio is close to home. Max is going to take pole. That's fair. Yep. All right. That, that that's that's pretty fair. I do have uh, as my pick. It's Red Bull in all caps. Uh, I'm I'm riding pretty hard uh, with the Red Bull tandem. Uh, it's very clear that they're going to be one and two likely for the rest of the year. Um, the only time that that hasn't happened is where there has been a, a huge hiccup uh, within qualifying. You know, Sergio Perez, uh, I think he started 20th one race and ended up fifth. Um, and Max Verstappen uh, has anywhere he started when he was ninth. He came in first when he was in 15th uh, or 16th uh, because he got it was the last one in uh, Q1 to get out. He uh, ended up coming in, I think, second uh, to Sergio Perez. So. There's really no stopping this Red Bull, um, and yeah. But Pat, I know you're the you're the one oddball out here. So what do you got? I got Charles Leclerc, the Monegasque boy himself. He's gotten pole at his home race the last two years, and I think he can make it three straight because it's going to be a really rainy weekend in Monaco. So who better to know the track than Charles? And we'll see how it goes. He's had just absolute heartbreaks on this track, which we're not to race winners quite yet, but. Quali Charles always does well. It's his home race, so I think he can do it. Make it a three-peat. All, all I'm going to say is Charles has had quite the history of crashing this season in in Quali and just not doing well overall. So I think maybe either the upgrades or anything for the Ferrari, just he's not vibing with. And I think after such a long break, I think he needed Imola to really kind of rein in the new Ferrari package, whatever they're debuting. I think I agree with you that because of the weather, it's going to be a messy race. But I don't know if this is Charles' year. I think he potentially may need to get a new car. I, I really, I, I would love to see him in a Red Bull against Verstappen because that would be a hell of a race. The but. man has one bad weekend. He's the only other person to get pulled this season outside the Red Bulls. <laughs> He's Jack's burying the man. He's burying him. I am going to fact check. Uh, you know, he is currently losing to, uh, let me see. Okay. He got crashed out one race. He got crashed out one race in Australia. (laughs) Okay. Um, But he's still, he's still down to Carlos signs by a, it's 64 for Carlos signs and it is 34 for Leclerc. So I don't know what to tell you. That's a 30 point difference. Uh, six races into the season. He didn't finish two races. I'm going to fact check myself on that, but it's two races he but, didn't get through. But, but that's again, that's why I'm saying it's hard for me as a Ferrari hater right now well, to want to buy in to the Charles Leclerc. We, we will circle back Jack, in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Jack, I obviously wouldn't want to drive a wedge between you and Patrick <laughs> and do it. Fuel do it. Your, Send it. your hatred Send it. for Ferrari. But if I was going to, I would tell you that actually since Carlos Sainz has joined Ferrari, I think he's actually done better than Charles Leclerc, not in terms of total points scored, but he actually beat Charles his first year in Ferrari. The second year, okay, you could say that Charles beat Carlos Sainz. So going into this year, they're dead even. Who's ahead now? Carlos Sainz. I wouldn't tell you that, Jack, because I don't want you and Patrick to deteriorate your friendship. But if I was going to that's what I would that, what a what the, a what a stat by the special guest. Oh, those are Pat. those are oh those are God. all facts right now, but we're only a third of the way through. I ain't worried. That's why I didn't say it. We're only- <laughs> no oh, no one heard anything. My God. Nothing. Can we redact Unbelievable. that? Unbelievable. <laughs> so okay, so so before we head on, 
I forget sometimes this is a betting podcast, so I actually have to read out what odds we're taking. Uh, for, yeah, yeah. So with Austin, <laughs> he is betting Max Verstappen. That's at plus 135. Honestly, I think that's fantastic odds yeah. for any Verstappen bet. Anytime getting plus money, that I think is fantastic. Pat with Leclerc, obviously he's won the last two. That is at plus 175. So that one, you know, definitely a bit better odds in a worse car and a worse driver. You know, you do what you want with that information. Um, and then I took just Red Bull in general. So that's the Max Verstappen at plus 135 and Sergio Perez, who won last year at plus 350. So I think those are all good odds. If you were looking to get a bit more spicy, Fernando Alonso plus 700. Carlos signs at plus 2,000. And then if you're looking at the Mercedes brothers, George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, both at plus 5,000. So those are probably the only ones you're realistically looking at. Sometimes, uh, as I mentioned on the pod, I do like to bet the grid, uh, betting any, anyone other than, you know, kind of the top contenders. And you have some very fun odds. But, I mean, are we seriously thinking that Valtteri Botas is going to get pole position? No. But then again, you bet $1, you win five grand. So sometimes it's always fun to mix that up. So now what we're going to do is a bit, uh, not a bit different, but we're going to go race winner, top three, top six, and top ten. And so what I think I want to do is a quick rapid fire, uh, starting with Austin here. Austin, if you're up for it, you know, give me a quick race winner, your top three, top six, and then top ten just down and then Pat and I won't interrupt and then we will critique you and berate you for your picks after the fact. So, all right. All right. All right. Lights out like and this. away we go. What you got? <laughs> all right. For the race runner, death, taxes, Max Verstappen. Don't overthink it. He's pissed. He wants Boom. to be in first place. He hates that his teammate is even close to him. All right. Top three. I have so much fun betting Fernando Alonso or Charles Leclerc, but I'm super encouraged by Mercedes upgrades that they're coming. And George Russell, I think, loves to piss off Max Verstappen. So I'm going to take him with getting a, a podium for this race. Then for a top six finish, I kind of went out of the waters here. And this kind of ties in with the top 10 bet. But I think Yuki Sonoda has actually been doing super, super well this year. But he's had a little bit of bad luck. And I think if there's ever a race for it to swing right his way, with a rainy Monaco coming up, I think it's going to get in the way of a lot of people and clear up some room for him to get into the top finish and probably even the top six. I love it. I love it. And then for your top ten, it looks like you're also doing Yuki. You're doubling down on the Yuki Sonoda train because you definitely saw the comments from, uh, oh, I believe it was uh, Aston Martin yeah. I think, with the new Honda engines for 2026. And they're like, Yuki – could be a potential option. You know, Lance Stroll is going to have to retire at some point. <laughs> so, no, I very much – I hate the top six, but I do agree with you that because it's a rainy Monaco, if you do a great qualifying and you just stick out the elbows a little bit, who's going to pass you? And so just for the listeners, just to give you an idea, a Yuki Sonoda top six, you're looking at plus 1,600 for that. And then a top ten – not as good, but you're looking at a plus 200. I would definitely, you know, not to, you know, jump on Austin's toes here, but a top 10, I think, is a way more realistic bet for what you can, to, can do. He's literally finished, I want to say, P11, P11, P10 in his last three races. So he's been right on the cusp. So I think that's a really good bet. And he does have the pace in kind of a shitbox of the AlphaTauri. Um, so I will give you that. And then I love the George Russell pick. I think it's fun. I don't think he's beating Fernando Alonso, but 
for uh, just to give you an idea, a George Russell coming in uh, top three. That's a plus three fifty. So very fun. So Pat, on to you. Who do you got, man? What what is your what is your crap scorecard look like? <laughs> I, I think we're gonna be uh, <laughs> I think we're gonna be kind of similar with this. Basically, it's so hard to pass in Monaco. All of our quality bets, I think, so we're gonna take for race winners. So I'm taking Charles to take home the win. He's had just such bad luck here. It's got to change for him. I mean, the first year he got pulled, his transmission crapped out on the formation lap. He didn't even get to start the race. Last year, Ferrari botched the strategy like they did every year and double stacked them to let Red Bull get through. So this year, hopefully there's no screw-ups. Charles can take pole and take home the win. So Charles is at plus 350 for the race win, which I like a lot. Top three, uh, I'm not going to steal your thunder on the uh, Alonzo one. That would be my pick as well. It's not going to be Charles. And honestly, the odds for a podium for Charles, minus 140, I don't love. Fernando Alonzo, you get even money. So I'm going to echo my uh, my fellow podcast host. Top six, I had a hard pass originally just because you look at the people that have been top six, seven. They're all minus 225-ish. I'll go with one wild card, though. Pierre Gasly at plus 350. He's been driving the Alpine very well, and I know Jack's applauding because that helps his season-long bet for sure. And Monaco's pretty close to France, so I mean, it's basically his home race. Lastly, top 10, I'm going to go with the Hulk himself, Nico Hulkenberg. Got into Q3 a bunch this season, and kind of where he qualifies, where you usually end up finishing in Monaco, minus any pit stop issues. So I like the Hulk at plus 160. All right, Pat. I, I I thought I'd shit on this way more. Uh, I think it's pretty good. Oh, thank you. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I I mean, obviously, like again, like I have a, such a love hate relationship with Ferrari. I would love to see the Red Stallions do really well in these races and be kind of be back on top. I mean, realistically, we haven't seen them do well uh, in almost a decade. I feel like. Uh, I mean, granted, I'm also a drive to survive uh, convert. Um, so I can't really say too much about pre-drive to survive era, but you know I know about you know the whole era beforehand with uh, oh my god why am I blanking on his name he's one of the greatest German drivers ever Sebastian Vettel Not, yeah Sebastian Vettel <laughs> exactly you know him uh, him there so you know would love to see uh, something like that so real quick just on uh, on my side you know I I am really I'm, I'm Red Bull has screwed me so many times on all of this betting. And so I'm willing to say on the podcast, I have a 16 unit bet on Red Bull to have fastest lap because no one can compare. You know, there was talk from Pat earlier in the day where he was saying, oh, well, you know, George Russell is going to pit on the last lap and get soft tires and just, you know, steal fastest lap. I don't see it happening. I don't. I think it's going to be Sergio Perez or Max Verstappen, and they are just going to be hustling because they're the only two in title contention right now. This is the closest Sergio Perez has ever been in a driver's championship battle. 100%. They're giving it their all. Neither of them are going to give an inch. No shot that they give it. Also, did I see – did Pat, did you send through a stat that Joe Guang Yu got the fastest lap in the first race of the season? He did, and that's kind of why the fastest lap bet is just so risky. Like, Kind of to your point, Red Bull's going to be cruising ahead of everyone usually – Hopefully not this time around, but like they don't really have the incentive if they don't have fastest lap, they'll 
one extra point is not going to do a world of good for them. So some of the other teams that are in the top 10, they get a free pit stop. They might as well try to go for that extra point because it means a lot to them. So it's tough. And I know the Red Bull's a lot faster, but end of races, the cars have no fuel, a lot lighter. So it's a lot easier to go quicker. So that's my only reason I'm a little bit skittish on it. I agree the Red Bull's flying around there and they likely will get fastest lap, but uh, there's always that risk that George just wants his extra point because he's 30 seconds ahead and can get a free pit stop. So just better beware. If George Russell steals the fastest lap on like lap like 56 of 58, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. I'm telling you, man, like every race he has like a big gap and just pits for sauce right at the end just to be a dickhead. It's it, it's a load of shit, man. <laughs> but uh, so so just to go into to my other bets, uh, top three, uh, I agree with Pat, uh, Fernando Alonso. Honestly, I think I should just bet Verstappen, Perez, Alonso, uh, top three, basically every race. That seems to be basically what we see. The two, you know, the the two Spanish. I know uh, Sergio Perez, uh, Mexican Spanish, Fernando Alonso, Spain Spanish, um, and then Verstappen Dutch. Uh, so yeah, I'm going Alonzo, and that's even odds for top three, top six. Uh, as Pat said, the odds are just not there for a top six. I mean, the fact that a Lance Stroll top six is minus one twenty, no one wants to touch that. He's not a good driver. The car is great, but he makes one mess up in Monaco, and you're on the wall. So absolutely not worth it. But a top ten, I'm going with Alex Albon. For some reason, I just have this affinity for the Williams, uh, whether it be Logan Sargent or Alex Albon. I think Alex, uh, I really grasped onto during Drive to Survive. I thought he was really fun in the Red Bull and actually did quite well just for such a rookie driver. Obviously, the standards for driving Red Bull are so much higher, so he didn't last. But getting him to see a chance in the in the Williams and actually getting the only points for Williams this year, I think is awesome. Um, so that's going to be mine. But onto the most important bet of the day, fastest pit stop yes so i want to hear your thoughts pat because you're the one who originally brought this to the table uh and in us trying to bet this you can have some insanely good odds and a wild card kind of hit what are your thoughts for it yeah it's the biggest crapshoot high risk high reward so looking at the fastest pit stops of the season Ferrari's got the fastest, then Red Bull, then McLaren, and they're all within a tenth of each other. Then everybody else is two tenths or more behind those three. So odds for Red Bull's minus 120, Ferrari's plus 120, but third place and really close in time is McLaren at plus 1200. So I think it's a nice value play for McLaren to get fastest pit stop this week. I think that's great. Yeah, no, definitely with the McLaren at a 2.31. For this, I mean, Monaco, you typically see a two-pit two stop strategy. So every team, you know, every driver gets two uh, two chances. I think that's a really good one. Austin, what are you feeling, man? Fastest pit stop, your first ever fastest pit stop bet. We have seen our other special guest, Truett, hit this before. Let's see if we can make it two for two on first-time special guests. What are you feeling? I am going to go with Ferrari for the fastest pit stop. And my thinking here is... I think that Ferrari going from the 22 season to the 23 season, they looked at all their weaknesses last year and said, we are going to absolutely make those a strength. So one of those things being straight line speed, well, we know kind of now Ferrari's kind of switched their strength. They were really good at the turns last year, but now they kind of changed the car to be good at the straights. I think they're doing the exact same thing with pit stops. And especially with how much of a nightmare the Monaco uh, Grand Prix was last year with pit stops, I think this year they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that they get it right. 
You actually make fantastic points, and I almost want to bet Ferrari, but unfortunately I'm not because I'm going Mercedes <laughs> because I think that they came in fourth, and as Pat said, they were actually a total of 0.3 seconds uh, behind, which you know for in F1 standards is you know basically five places. But I think that Toto Wolf is really going to reel in his team here. You know, they're on the cusp of kind of, you know, third, fourth in the constructors and every little second counts. So I feel like that can maybe work. And just to give you an idea, the Mercedes is plus 2,200. So if, I, if I'm being completely honest here, I bet three teams in this pit stop, which I think has been a fun strategy so far, is any – the first three teams – that are over a thousand odds. So I bet McLaren at plus twelve hundred, Mercedes at plus twenty two hundred, and Alpine at plus twenty two hundred, just for a bit of fun uh, there, which I think could really work. Now, as we move to the next section, I am always obligated to talk about this. It is the Alpine versus McLaren battle, the battle of the mid, which is honestly I thought was going to be such. A better battle <laughs> this year. It is a slugfest of absolute crap. Like both teams are doing abysmal. You have the Alpines finishing eight and nine basically every race, except for when they crash into each other. And then they'll let the fucking McLarens finish like six and eight, where Oscar Piastri gets his first points. And so they're actually tied at 14 points, an astonishing amount which is absolute crap. and But I will say it is very fun to see. I don't know why Lando Norris just rubs me the wrong way. I don't know if it's because of his like face or his like hair. I don't really know what the deal is. Uh, Oscar Piastri I like fine. I think it's fun. Um, but yeah, another zero-point race, uh, which just brings a smile to my face, and I hope they get it again. Um, maybe it's because the side part of their car, they have that digital advertisement for Google or whatever. And I just think it's lame as hell. And I think Zach Brown is lame because he got the Daniel Ricciardo winning tattoo. And they proceeded to win zero races since. And they also fired Daniel Ricciardo and played him 20 million. Basically, all of the above uh, is a very fun reason to bet against them. Uh, but Austin, I know you have a really fun additional bet that you wanted to talk to at the end. What do you got? So a fun thing that I've been doing in terms of betting on the F1 season so far this season, because there are so many rookies, I really think that the rookies are going to always have a hard time and a learning curve at every race. What I've been doing is putting a little small $1 or so bet on each of the three rookies to not finish each race. And it's worked out pretty well so far. Nick DeVries is paying my rent, which is really awesome. <laughs> uh, but Logan Sargent, it really, I'm not going to lie, as an American, it hurts me to put some bets on against Logan Sargent to not finish a race. Yeah, no, it, it, it's it's brutal to see. Especially because he, he seems like such a likable guy. I know there's like the jokes like, well, he didn't really even grow up in America and he spent his whole time racing in Europe. So he's like half American, if you would even say that. But no, I agree. And I know Pat and I, we sometimes always try to give the benefit of the doubt to the rookies because we do like to see them succeed. You know, we always try to bet them on their home race and everything. But it's just proven to show, I mean, Logan Sargent and Nick DeVries, Two rookies, uh, no points scored this season. And the only reason Oscar Piastri was because he was in the right place at the right time, literally in the back of the grid in Australia, and didn't get caught up in literally every accident possible. So, you know, I would argue that almost all three rookies have zero points at this stage. So 
I, I hate that we're saying it, but Austin, I have to 100% agree with you. I'm going to be betting on some of the rookies to uh, DNF, uh, unfortunately, this race. We saw it with uh, Mick Schumacher, yeah. uh, you know, in the Haas, you know, having that horrible accident in uh, Monaco last year or last year or two years ago. Uh, I think it was, was last, it? last year, year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where I, I think he crashed in qualifying and his car was so bad he almost couldn't even compete uh, in race day Sunday. So it really just goes to show, but I think that's a very fun bet. But guys, that kind of brings us to the end. We've talked kind of all of the bets we needed to for this Monaco race. Hopefully it's a lot of fun. Uh, You know, at least we get some great shots of the yachts uh, in the bay, you know. But uh, Austin, any closing thoughts uh, as we wrap up? Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on here. And actually, one more little parlay kind of outside of the F1 world that I, uh, I have going for this Sunday. So this Sunday, which I always think is super cool, I didn't know this until last year, but the three major motorsport series, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, they have pretty much their most iconic races all on the same day. So what I've done is I've parlayed together the three winners or three people that I think are going to win each of their three races. Uh, I'm on the Barstool app, so I've got plus 7,600 odds on this, but I've got Max Verstappen to win the Monaco race at plus 100. Kyle Larson for Hendrick Motorsports to win the Coca-Cola 600 for NASCAR. And then this is probably the most long shot, Pato Award of McLaren in the IndyCar. He got second place in the Indianapolis 500 last year, and he was incredibly pissed that he did not win. Uh, I've got, yeah, 7,600 or plus 7,600 odds on this parlay. I think it could be a fun way to spice up your Sunday after that one race. Love it. I love it. And just for all of you uh, Central Time Zone U.S. listeners, uh, the race is at 6.30 on Sunday. Um, So definitely agree. uh, If you wake up and Monaco is already over, hopefully it is a Max Verstappen win if that was what you were betting. Uh, And then you can go into the other U.S.-based races. But definitely something to consider. And also really appreciate you bringing that one on because that is definitely a fun one to kind of parlay all the winners, especially with a Verstappen at only a plus 100, uh, definitely fun. If you bet on some other sites, it's a little better, uh, but also we have yet to see any uh, practice or qualifying, so definitely uh, something to consider. But, Pat, any final words? Uh, your first podcast back in about a month. Nope, always a fun one. Appreciate Austin jumping on here, but hopefully we get a good Monaco and a little less of a parade, a little more of a race. I highly doubt it, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. Same. But guys, as always, really appreciate you being on. Everyone listening, uh, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next week. Bye. You have nothing to do with your skill, Bayless. As I was saying, Joy Taylor, every dog has a day, and since I'm a big dog, I've got two days. Okay. So now, just close